Hi everyone and welcome to episode 9 of the University of Greenwich Sustainability Podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is a podcast to discuss sustainability at the University of Greenwich and our wider lives. Hopefully with these short podcasts we can provide a good starting point for you guys to delve into sustainability topics and hopefully engage with the wider sustainability team or eco team projects. So today I'm joined by Simon Earp. Um, Simon, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi Ryan and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my name's Simon Earp. I'm uh, the Transport and Green Travel Manager uh, at the University of Greenwich. Great. And Simon, do you have a fun fact today? Uh, My fun fact, maybe not fun, but hopefully interesting, is that when you burn one litre of petrol, you get 2.3 kilograms, roughly, of carbon dioxide. So today's episode is about travel at the University of Greenwich and sort of sustainable travel. Um, Simon, could you briefly start by explaining your role and how that relates to the helping the university reach its sustainability targets? Yeah, sure. Um, well, my role's got, got several elements to it. As the name suggests, green travel and green travel I think there was some uh, green travel or green kudos in the in the title. So they they gave me that extra word in there. Um, But my primary objective is to try and uh, manage the switch towards more sustainable forms of transport. Um, And I oversee the parking policy and management of parking at the university. I manage the bus service contract. I promote cycling and walking, and I'm also responsible for the vehicle fleet. Um, but sort of the crucial part of the, the sustainable element is the management of the travel plan. Great. So in 2006, HEFC highlighted that carbon emissions from transport activities accounts for 38% of higher educated um, carbon contribution. So this meant that higher education institutions must create a travel plan to address this. Could you start by describing the process in creating a travel plan that contributes to a carbon reduction strategy? Yeah, sure. So what in fact, many things just happen anyway um, without a travel plan. So um, you, you know, over the last few years, we've we've made considerable improvements to the bus service and we've invested in. Um, cycle offering in terms of the cycle parking and lockers and such like and and they've sort of happened um, anyway without a new version of the travel plan but in terms of mechanics of putting a travel plan together um, I mean ideally you would first seek some views and ideas of, of, of what people want you would benchmark against other universities or other organizations um, find out what they were doing and discuss with management what we want to achieve through the travel plan because there may be some objectives there that aren't necessarily to do with reducing carbon things like the well-being side of things which is going to be increasingly important but what we'd start off with is talking about what what the situation is at the moment what our offer is at the moment in terms of sustainable travel what progress we've produced to date we would want to include results of travel surveys so that we can establish what current travel patterns are 
um, then we would want to include all the objectives uh, and, and targets that we want to deliver from the travel plan. And then the sort of real meat in the sandwiches is the measures that we want to uh, introduce to take the travel plan forward to its next stage, which might be, for example, changes to the parking policy. Uh, it might be further improvements to the bus service, introducing a bike hire scheme. Or, and then we need to look once that's all in, how we're going to manage it. Uh, is it going to be who's going to manage it? That would at the moment be me. Uh, how we then monitoring it it would need regular uh, reviews and then there would be an action plan drawn up with all the different elements that that need to happen all the different tasks that need to happen uh, to, to deliver it and that's essentially it it's, it's quite quite a dry subject um but but actually it's it's pretty straightforward stuff it's certainly not rocket science and uh, you know whilst the subject of travel plans is is, is perhaps a little bit dull uh, the, the actual concept of trying to get people to use more sustainable forms of, of transport, both from an environmental and a, and a health and well-being perspective, is, uh, is, uh, is, is would hope interesting to many people and, and, and certainly in fashion. Yeah, I can definitely imagine it's something that people don't realise when they're going about their daily lives, travelling to university or work. Everyone spends a certain amount of time travelling every day, so... Yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, lots of, I mean, travel plans have historically mainly only existed uh, in the public sector. Um, but I suspect increasingly that there's many organisations that are, that have a travel plan or or at least, sorry, are, are trying to uh, achieve the same objectives of a travel plan without really knowing it. Um, mm you know, one one of the things that that's that you know is important is is the amount of car park space that you could potentially save if more people uh, don't bring their cars to work. And if you've got a huge amount of car park space, uh, you know that's essentially wasted money, and you might be able to put a building on it, or you you just might be able to reduce the amount of land you need. So it, it, it's I would hope it'd be of interest to to most organisations. How have you got on with the carbon reduction strategy with your travel plan? What has been the um, sort of outcomes of it? Well, actually, I think it's been pretty good. You know, mate, you, you could argue that some of these things might have happened anyway. Uh, and uh, in other areas, I think it's, it's, it's largely as a result of, of the efforts that we've, that we've, we've been putting into place. Uh, so when we talked about the carbon reduction um, uh, of and I mentioned that Hefke wanted a, a reduction of 43% in carbon um, between 2010 and 2020, and of course we're now in 2020. Uh, that was concerned with Scope One carbon emissions, and Scope One carbon emissions are the emissions that the university, in this case, uh, produces directly. So it's the, the you know it's the, the gas that is burnt to heat our buildings. Um, and it is uh, the, the fuel that is burnt in the vehicles that are owned by the university uh, in this case. And in this case, we've, we've made considerable reduction there. In fact, we've gone from uh, 46 tonnes of carbon uh, in 2005, 2006, which we've used as the baseline in this case, down to 26 tonnes uh, at the last count in 2018, 19. Uh, and that's because we've 
we've actually worked more efficiently, um, more efficiently. So we're actually doing less miles, and we've uh, invested in in lower emission vehicles and and several electric vehicles. Uh, in fact, we were we were really one of the pioneers there, and we invested in five electric vehicles back in 2009 as part of the first travel plan at Avery Hill. So a lot of success there. Um, but actually, the scope one emissions are only a very small uh, proportion of the total emissions associated with travel and transport at the university. So scope three emissions um, are where are the emissions that are produced as a result of sort of university activities, but not directly. So, for example, business travel, uh, most business travel uh, is in fact, I would suggest more or less all of it, with the exception of our pool car, uh, is carried out in vehicles that other people own. Uh, our bus service is, is a prime example. If people uh, obviously travel under train, that, that is operated by a, a train company. And similarly, uh, all air travel, uh, you know, the university doesn't own any of its own planes. Uh, and so actually, that is a, a much bigger scale of emissions but even then we've we've had really some great success mainly because there's been a very considerable reduction in the amount of air travel although it's it's still very considerable so uh, I checked these figures actually just just uh, earlier today and uh, back in 2012-13 which is the first year that we had sort of reasonably accurate figures for this we had we were emitting 5,459 tons of carbon on business travel and we got that down at last count 2018-19 to 2,691 tonnes so that's, that's a very significant reduction uh, and largely uh, down to the fact that um, emissions associated with air travel has, has reduced very significantly partly because we're uh, flying less uh, and partly although we're still flying a lot uh, and partly because uh, the, the carbon intensity of air travel is, is actually coming down um, the other big thing, um, which is covered under scope three, uh, and which we have arguably very little control over, or this is obviously where parking policy comes in and where the travel plan comes in, is the emissions associated with with commuting to the site uh, across all modes. Um, obviously, commuting by car uh, is, is the biggest slice of that. Um, but that peaked again. It's very difficult to actually estimate the scale of this. Really, all you can do is carry out a travel survey uh, and then use data on the amount of carbon uh, that's emitted per passenger kilometer and such like to work out or estimate the carbon emissions. Uh, and in this case, it looks like it peaked in 2016-17 at 6,983 tonnes. That's for all staff and students. Um, and has come down actually year on year since to the last count 2018-19, 5,948 tonnes. So that's coming down uh, and that's because we've seen certainly a reduction in recent years on the amount of students that are driving to the campus. Is there, has there been any effect from sort of the increase on video conferencing and calls? Does that have any effect on the emissions uh, per... I think up up to this up up to a few months ago, no, because I don't think the university was using it very much. Uh, it might be one of the reasons why the 
the air travel emissions have come down and there's certainly um, some of the activity that would normally have resulted um, in, in someone getting on a plane has now been replaced by a video conference. Um, but I think it's fair to say that, that really the university uh, wasn't using video conferencing very much at all, probably like most of the rest of the country. Um, but, you know, that has all changed since March. And I think that the, um, the, the opportunity there to really significantly reduce carbon um, uh, through working from home or holding meetings virtually as opposed to going between the campuses or, or traveling from one side of the country to another or abroad um, is, is massive. And I would say that the, uh, of all the opportunities to reduce carbon, um the uh, you know the, the the video conferencing uh use of is 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 now you know by, by far the greatest uh is likely to have by far the greatest impact yeah, i wanted to say a little bit as well because uh i've sort of strayed into talking about um emissions without sort of saying anything about how we estimate those uh and i started off just by dropping in that fact um saying that a liter of petrol uh, produces 2.3 kilograms of, of CO2, which uh, the first time I looked at this, which was probably about 10 years ago in 2010, when we started to talk about these figures, just seemed really bizarre that, that how, how can burning, you know, one litre of fuel uh, actually produce more than, bearing in mind that one litre of fuel is roughly one kilogram, can actually produce a multiple in terms of, of gas, but, but actually it's the amount of of oxygen that is consumed in burning that fuel um, uh, that, that goes up into the atmosphere as, as CO2 that, that results in in that figure. So um, petrol is uh, slightly uh, less carbon intensive. It's roughly 2.2, 2.3 kilograms of CO2 per litre of petrol, whereas diesel is more like 2.6 kilograms. Diesel, uh, whilst it's more carbon in intensive vehicles will generally travel further on a litre of diesel than they will on a litre of petrol, which was why there was this big move towards diesel some years back. Um, but also those those figures vary very slightly. So when we calculate the carbon emissions and when we report these to, to HESA, um, the Higher Education Statistics Authority, um, then uh, we have to go to uh, the uh, we get the data from DEFRA and those figures will vary each year very slightly um, so I think they've actually come down uh, year on year um, over the last few years slightly as the amount of sort of biofuels have increased uh, within the sort of average litre of petrol at the forecourt or average litre of, of diesel so there's now a lot of emphasis on, on organisations measuring their, their carbon and and you can do that in terms of measuring what your own fleet emits very easily because you can work out how much petrol or diesel you've bought and, and do the calculation. But when we talk about the travel from the emissions from air travel, commuting and such like, it's, it's more difficult. Uh, and what you do there is you work out the uh, amount of fuel that that vehicle will burn over a, a kilometre and then you work out and or rather DEFRA works out the average loadings of typically of a plane or a train and then they divide that to give a figure for uh, the amount of, of carbon per passenger per kilometre.
So, so actually, there's uh, a lot of data available to, to help organisations such as the university make some good estimations of, of carbon. And in fact, the travel agencies that we work with really produce really quite detailed information on, on all our flights. So we can have a, a pretty good estimation of, of what that carbon is. Whereas when we talk about commuting, it's much more difficult because we have to do a travel survey and then assume that that's typical across the whole population and then extrapolate that to assume that uh, if someone's driven in uh, then we have to make an assumption on how far that journey is uh, as an average how often they make it per year on average and uh, we make an assumption that the if they've got a car that would be uh, that car would be emitting average emissions so it, it's 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 a much uh, uh, broader estimation when we talk about commuting figures. Okay, so in the travel plan, the um, carbon contribution from students and staff commuting, as you've just mentioned, is addressed. How does the university support sustainable com commuting for its staff and students? Well, I think the it might it might seem a bit strange to say it, but but. Probably the biggest impact initially when we introduced the travel plan was that we introduced a, a, a parking charge. Um, obviously, unsurprisingly, that was very unpopular. Uh, but what it did is it, it, it gave us some money to start investing in the bus service in particular. And we've, we've made huge improvements to the bus service, you know, over the last course of the last 10 years. Um, we've, uh, in fact, we've, we've, we're spending more on the bus service now than uh, by, by some margin than we collect in parking income uh, from the car parks. But but all the income that we collect now from, from the car parks is reinvested into the travel plan. So we have, since we introduced the charge, we started uh, at Medway, we started to set up a partnership with the uh, Arriva buses so that we have very generous uh, discounts for students and staff to use the Arriva buses in, in Medway and Kent. We started up a car share scheme. We made some uh, investments in secure cycle parking. We introduced a bike hire scheme, spent money on lockers. We improved the showers that we had for cyclists. So lots of lots of little things. Um, and, and actually, really, that's an important part of a travel plan. There's not going to be one single silver bullet that's going to uh, uh, work for everyone uh, what one initiative might work for someone and not for another and that's why there needs to be a, a really uh, decent mix of initiatives for the travel plan to be successful so the Greenwich sustainability blog mentions the UniShare Southeast scheme could you share more details about this scheme yeah that's that's a, a car share scheme that we set up Right, initially under, under the na uh, name Share, uh, spelt uh, with a with a five, because there were initially five institutions uh, of which we were one that all came together down in Medway, um, and we thought it made sense if we we're going to introduce a car share scheme um, that that we uh, shared costs and and meant that if there was more people in the sharing pool, then people have got a better chance of finding someone suitable to share with. So we started that up in 2009 um, and we've been running it ever since. It reduced down from five to three partners. So that's ourselves, University of Kent and Canterbury Christchurch um, some years ago. And we changed the name to UniShare Southeast. 
And I think we've got, uh, at the last count, um, I mean, I have to admit, a lot of people probably just uh, share a lift organically without help of a car share scheme. But certainly we notice at the start of the year when students are, are registering at the university, they're looking at the possibility of someone to share with. Uh, and they you know, they can go on then to to that site and, and register their journey and, and hopefully find someone that uh, doesn't live too far away that they can share a lift with. Uh, of course, what's happened um, with COVID-19 is is it's thrown everything uh, uh, up in the air. And uh, it's, it's at the moment we're actually still involved in discussions with Lift Share and uh, and the two other universities as to uh, whether we're going to promote that scheme this year. I know the government advice is that car share is safe, providing that the you uh, limit the number of people in the vehicle to two people. So driver uh, and the passenger sits uh, on the back seat diagonally opposite. Uh, there's good ventilation in the car, ideally as well to wear a face covering. So um, it, it's. It, 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 it's something that we're looking at at the moment as to whether we continue with that or whether we suspend it temporarily. OK, yeah, I can imagine as well. It can be a good chance to meet people who you might not meet otherwise. So um, could you tell me about available bursaries for students and staff wanted to travel sustainably? Yeah, I mean, this this is actually something that's not been available until this year. And in fact, uh, what the university's done is they ha- are introducing a travel bursary um, whereby students uh, can uh, get uh, a bursary for up to 50 percent of the cost of their um, uh, monthly uh, commute. Um subject to a, a, a limit actually of a thousand pounds per year but that's certainly a very uh, a generous bursary um i think it's aimed really at, at, at people uh, commuting by public transport although um if it was uh, if there was really no alternative um then uh, they, the university would consider uh making it available uh, to travel by car um and, and also it, it, it's available if you wanted to cycle in and uh, the money can be um, uh, allowed for the uh, uh, purchase of a, a bicycle and, and safety equipment. Um, but I think that the, the I, don't, I don't know the cap, but I, I know that there is a cap on the number of bursaries that the university is going to give each year. And, and so uh, if anyone is interested, it's, uh, it's, it's best to get in there now because it is going to be on a first come, first serve basis. Um, uh, and actually, the uh, you, you would apply to the Greenwich Hardship Fund. Um, in fact, I say we get in there now. In fact, it doesn't look like that opens until October, um, and then we'll run uh, until the spring of 2021. Uh, the other thing, actually, I should say is is uh, it, it is aimed at at at, at, at students um, uh, with with families on lower incomes. So uh, the, there is some criteria there. Um, uh, the, the main one being that the, the household income needs to be below £25,000 a year. OK, and that's good to know. Would, would they be able to find that? Um, how would you go about finding that? If yeah, you... sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the suggestion is to call the, the, you know, the main number 020 8331 9000 uh, and, uh, or email course info 
all one word, okay. at gre.ac.uk. Just the last question I've got is, if you could give one piece of advice to students and staff wanting to travel sustainably, what would it be? Something, just a quick takeaway? or? I, well, I, I, two, but they're related. Try walking and cycling. Uh, that would be my my advice. Uh, even uh, if it's uh, not part of your commute, um, I think so many people that have got cars tend to use their car on on short journeys when they could quite easily walk or cycle. And um, I think if if you start practicing that for shorter journeys, you you hopefully will get to like it and and uh, and and start um, traveling further. Um, but also it's 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 just good for the mind and uh, and 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 healthy as well great so thank you simon for joining this episode um thank you for sharing so many interesting things that are definitely really relevant for university of greenwich students and staff so for the listener if you want to find out more about the sort of uni travel plans where would be the best place to find that information yeah, I mean, all the information is on the website. Um, so if you if you go onto, well, probably just Google it. If you if, if you use the link off the home page, uh, how to find us, um, you'll get to the travel and transport pages. But you know, any sort of um, relevant search should should bring you to, uh, to to the section on on getting to each campus in particular and our bus service. Or if you wanted to just email us, uh, it's travel at gre.ac.uk perfect thanks simon and if you'd like to find out more about any other sustainability areas in um, the university uh, please visit www.gre.ac.uk forward slash sustain um, thank you for listening to this episode and i hope to hear from you guys soon